Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be one of the most important lessons, brothers and sisters, as we continue to progress uh, in the last days. Um, today's lesson will be about intimacy with the Most High God, the way to true fulfillment, brothers and sisters. Now, Intimacy never involves just one person. As the old adage says, it takes two to tango, brothers and sisters. And God has went to has gone through great lengths to dance with mankind by providing a handbook on how to develop intimacy with him, brothers and sisters. So today we will educate ourselves on how to pursue that companionship with the most high, high brothers and sisters. Please follow us closely. We're going to start at Matthew. 13 and 44, we're going to read 44 through 46, brothers and sisters. We're going to the gospel. Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and sell all that he hath, and buyeth that field. This is a parable, brothers and sisters. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid. Why does it say like unto treasure hid? Because when you're dealing with parables, you're trying to take something heavenly and give a earthly perspective of it, brothers and sisters, which sometimes is hard to do. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like on a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, what happens? He hideth. And for joy... Thereof goeth and selleth all he hath. And does what? And goeth and selleth all he hath, and buyeth that field. What does it show you, show you, brothers and sisters? This is showing you that the kingdom of the Most High God is so valuable that losing everything on earth, but getting the kingdom is a happy trade-off, brothers and sisters. It says, thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath to buy that field. Now, there's a couple of things we have to analyze here. It says... Like unto a treasure hid in a field. The gospel was in some measure hidden, brothers and sisters. You can't go into your regular, uh, what they call religious institutions, called churches, and find the truth of the kingdom, brothers and sisters. As many people who've grown, you know, who grew to age within the Christian church understand now, clearly, that what's being taught in the Christian church doesn't stand up, doesn't measure with biblical text. We're going to read that one more time, brother, please. Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like on a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who... When he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had. Did what? Went and sold all that he had and bought it. What is this showing us, brothers and sisters? This is showing us that true disciples will do what? The kingdom could cost a true disciple everything. It's called the cost of discipleship, brothers and sisters. Matter of fact, we have a lesson on that that we did a while ago. I would encourage brothers and sisters to go check that out. Um... But this, these passages are showing us the kingdom is a treasure, and those who really believe it will believe in it will sacrifice everything that they have, 
brothers and sisters. This is the costliness of the kingdom, brothers and sisters. The costliness of the kingdom. We're talking about the best kept secret, brothers and sisters. The best kept secret. We're going to go to Matthew 16 and 26. Just a few chapters over, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Matthew 16, verse 26. For what a man is profited, if he shall gain the world and lose his own soul. Read that again, brother. For what is a man profited, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So we need to measure things, brothers and sisters, by long-term consequences. We just read in the previous passage, what? That the man that found the treasure, sold everything that he had, brothers and sisters, to obtain that treasure. So we're showing you what? We're showing you sacrifice, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the world and lose his own soul? And do what? And lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So, brothers and sisters, here we learn that the value of a soul was worth more than the whole world, brothers and sisters. In order to have intimacy with the Most High God, you must understand this. You must understand in order to have intimacy with the Most High God, you must be willing to give up everything that you've obtained through the world, brothers and sisters. Everything. You must be willing to give up everything. Now, does that mean... That you will have to give up everything? Not necessarily. It means you must be prepared to give it up. That's what it means. Because life will conspire against you to find out what your priorities are, brothers and sisters. That's how the world works. A lot of young people, they don't, you know, don't understand that. There's things that you cannot control, brothers and sisters, that the Most High knows already is going to transpire just to see where your priorities are. So you must be willing to give up this world for the sake of your soul. And we're going to prove that. Let's go to Mark 8 and 35, brothers and sisters. We're sticking in the gospel for a little while here. The best kept secret. Mark 8 and 35, brother Joshua. Mark 8, verse 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Read that again, brother. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's. The same shall save it. Analyze that, brothers and sisters. Analyze that, brothers and sisters. Life. You have where it says, Whosoever will save his life shall lose his life, brothers and sisters. So life, you have one being temporal and the other being eternal duration. So there's two lives here. The bodily life and secondly, the eternal life, brothers and sisters. We're going to read that one more time. Verse 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. See, so this is a call to crucify the self-centered impulses of human nature, brothers and sisters. Save your life by actually losing it. Why? Because people in this generation believe that they need to, uh, what's that, they have a... Um, they have an African-American colloquialism that they use. It's uh, YOLO. Uh, you only live once. So, you know, let me go, you know, <laughs> let me go do whatever I want. You know, let me experience life the way the world tells me to experience it. And the Bible is telling you, if you try to save what you think is life, 
you're going to lose your eternal life, which is the true life. A lot of people die before they've ever lived, brothers and sisters. You must be willing. In order to save your eternal life, you must be able to put on the line what? Your temporal life. And what you think is fun. What you, what your friends are doing, brothers and sisters. The sin that appears fun. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul, brothers and sisters? We must understand this. In order to become intimate with the Most High God, you must be willing to give up your life. And we're going to prove that by going to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Please follow us to the epistles of Paul, brothers and sisters. We're going to Romans chapter 12. We're going to read 1 and 2. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. That you what? That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See, brothers and sisters, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So full devotion of ourselves to the Most High is the logical response to all that He has done for us. That's why it says on the end of verse 1, which is your reasonable service, brothers and sisters. See, that's why the scripture prior told us what? If you try to save your life, you actually lose your life. Why? Because your life is supposed to be lost to what? Being a living sacrifice to the God that created you. Lose your life for the purpose of being a living sacrifice and not, you know, trying to deal with the pleasures of the world, the cares of the world, brothers and sisters. Because one thing you will find out on that day is, your time here on earth is short. It's but a speck compared to eternity, brothers and sisters. You have to understand the concept of delayed gratification, brothers and sisters. And that is not common now in this generation that we're living in. Everything is, you know, 60-second rice, oodles and noodles. Nothing is slow-cooked anymore, brothers and sisters. Everything has to be right now, right now, right now. Brothers and sisters, and society have done a good job, you know, promoting a perpetual, uh, uh, perpetual, per, making a perpetual society based on, you know, quickness with the Internet. And then you have what uh, direct deposits and everything is right now, brothers and sisters, anything you want, <laughs> you can get right now. OK, I don't need to go to the store. Let me order what I want from my home. <laughs> This was purpose, brothers and sisters. Now, I'm not saying ordering things online is wrong. No, we're just showing you the way, you know, that the world is working. When you look at commercials, commercials, are they've done a study on commercials to show you what the attention span of the common man and woman is. And that's why you have commercials that's only a certain segment long because they've already done the research on how long a person's attention span is. So, brothers and sisters, the Bible is telling you what? Read verse 1 again, brother, please. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Which is what? Your reasonable service. He asks us to see ourselves as the most highest instruments in reaching others. For heaven's sake, brothers and sisters. And there's only one way to present your body as a living sacrifice in verse 2, 
will illuminate that. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Read that again, brother. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, brothers and sisters, the only way to present your body as a living sacrifice is to not be conformed to this world. Why? Because most of our difficulties in life are the result of selfishness, brothers and sisters. Selfish desires, what I want for me. This is what I think I deserve, and this is what I want. And from that comes the troubles in life, brothers and sisters. There's no way for people to present their bodies a living sacrifice, and yet your mind is being conformed to the world. And what the world is saying, you should be doing. I spoke to a brother, uh, you know, a while back, and he was saying, well, I should be further in life. I should actually be here and doing this. And I'm like, well, where are you getting that information from, brother? Well, I'm looking at, you know, everybody else. And I'm like, brother, you can't look at everybody else <laughs> to tell your story. You can't measure yourself by someone else's ruler because somebody else that's your age has this and has that. Oh, you're supposed to have that. No, it doesn't work like that doesn't work like that brothers and sisters the bible tell you be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and that's why you stick out like a sore thumb once your mind has been transformed because the things that the world look at as fun is not fun to you brothers and sisters see so <laughs> they start to see you in a different light you don't like to go to the clubs and get drunk. Hold on, man. You don't want to get blasted tonight? I mean, you don't want to get drunk tonight? Sloppy drunk? Something wrong with you, man. Something wrong. You, I mean, you don't want to go to this rave party with, uh, you know, all these drugs and girls and... I'm like, no, brother. I'm good. All right, something, something wrong with you. But you a homosexual? See, brothers and sisters? Don't be conformed to this world, brothers and sisters. In order to be on this path, in order to make it into the kingdom, brothers and sisters, it's going to take courage. It's going to take those who can stand alone while being ridiculed by the rest of the world. And everybody can't do that. And you must understand that, brothers and sisters. You have people who want to be cool, who want to be in the in crowd. Everybody's been to high school. You remember. There's people who want to just hang with certain people because they think certain people are cool. See, you need somebody that's strong enough to stand alone. That's who the Most High is looking for. That's why the Bible said, who will stand up for me against evildoers in Psalms, brothers and sisters? Because it's going to take courage. You cannot, you know, you cannot be a follower and do this work and stay on this path and present your body as a living sacrifice. Why? Because the world look, look at you as crazy, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is the best kept secret. We're going to go to Psalms 37 and 5, brothers and sisters. Let's go to the Old Testament. Please follow us. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Psalms 37, verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Read that again, brother. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Commit thy way unto the Lord brothers and sisters and now if you do this your standard of living may change but not your standard of life 
brothers and sisters, and that's critical. It's very important you understand that. There's a difference between a standard of living and a standard of life, brothers and sisters. See? Commit your way into the Most High. Not to the world. Not to what the TV tell you you should be doing. Not to what hip-hop is telling you what you should be doing. And your friends and family, you have to commit your way into the Most High. Your standard of living, your everyday life may not, you know, seem to bring joy. But the life in itself, brothers and sisters, is a higher quality of life. It's a higher standard of life. Why? Because you're clean. You're the salt of the earth. You're bringing forth righteousness. Now, on a day-to-day, it may seem like, yeah, we're all going to, to do this. You don't want to come? But nah, you know, nah, I'm good. So that may not... Your friends may look at that and say, well, hold on. It seems like you don't have fun following the Most High God. Well, brother, you need to not... You, you have to transform your mind on what fun is. See, that's the problem. What you think is fun and what I think is fun is not the same, brother. I have plenty of fun being righteous. I have plenty of fun knowing that when that day come, I will be in the kingdom for eternity. Life is but a short time, brothers and sisters. Commit thy way unto the Most High God. Trust in him and he will bring it to pass. We're going to go forward. We're going to move to Psalms chapter 42, verse 2. We're saying in the same book, different chapter, brothers and sisters. Psalms 42, verse 2. My soul thirsted for God. Read that again, brother. My soul thirsted for God. A devout soul is always a thirst for the Most High God. For the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Read that again, brother. Verse 2. My soul thirsted for God. For the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Brothers and sisters, when there's no thirst... For the presence of the Most High, it's an indicator that something is wrong spiritually. There's something is wrong inside. If your soul doesn't thirst for your Creator, something is going on underneath. And listen, the psalmist expressed his longing and need for fellowship with the Most High. When your soul thirsts for the Most High, that's you want His presence, brothers and sisters. We must foster a thirst for the Most High God. In order to be intimate with him. How can you be intimate? How can you get to know a God that you're not thirsty for? Brothers and sisters. In the black community. I remember maybe a long time ago. But they used to have this term. They would say. You know. A a brother or a sister is thirsty for attention. (laughs) They may not say that. Young people may not say that anymore. But when I was young. This is what they said. Oh he thirsty. You hear sister saying he thirsty. What, What? I mean what does that mean? Exactly. Exactly, brothers and sisters. We must be thirsty for the Most High God. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. My soul thirsted for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Right. So, brothers and sisters, we want to magnify this. Our soul must thirst for the Most High God in order to be intimate with the Most High God. Because you definitely thirst for what you want and who you want here on earth. Whether that's a, a, a brother that you're looking for, sister, or a, a sister that you're looking for, brother. You thirst for what you really want. We're going to go to Psalms, chapter 143 and 6, brothers and sisters. 
Please follow us to chapter 146. And we're going to, excuse me, 143. Psalms 143 and verse 6. Psalms 143 verse 6. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. Read that again. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsted after thee as a thirsty land. It says I stretch forth my hands. That means under the influence of eager desire. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> stretch forth hand is an indication of pursuing the spiritual fountains of the Most High God. You don't stretch forth your hands for something you don't want. Brothers and sisters, when you go to pick something up that you want, that you're trying to utilize, you <laughs> stretch forth your hand. Read that again, brother. Psalms 143, verse 6. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsted after thee. As a thirsty land. We must be thirsty for the Most High God, brothers and sisters. We must be trying to obtain or gain a spiritual thirst for the Most High God, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is going to help us have a, a better, a more healthy perspective on who our God is and what He deserves. Because the one thing that's gone on with this generation and some of the generations before is we think we know God. We, we think we know God, and we don't. See, when you think you know God, then you really are not thirsty for him, because you think you know him already. See, and the Christian church did this, brothers and sisters. And there's no respect for the Most High God. We're going to illustrate that through biblical text today. Getting to know our God, because we really don't know him. Israel don't know, we don't know our God any longer. If we did, we would... Our behaviors would be different, brothers and sisters. Our actions would be different if we knew our God. Moses walked with the Most High and didn't know Him. For you to say you know Him, listen, the Most High is not some small, something you can just, you can just learn and put in your backpack. It takes a lifelong thirst for the Most High to understand who He is. He's bigger than your mind can even imagine. So for somebody to say they know all aspects of God, they are mistaken. They are mistaken, brothers and sisters, and we're going to prove that. We're going to go to Amos chapter 5, verse 4, brothers and sisters. Please follow us to Amos 5 and 4. Amos 5, verse 4. For thus said the Lord on the house of Israel. What did he say, brother? Seek ye me, and ye shall live. Do what? Seek ye me, and ye shall live. Seek ye me. And ye shall live, brothers and sisters. He's saying, search for me, pursue me. Seek means to make an attempt, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 4. For thus said the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. Seek ye me. This is the key, brothers and sisters. He likes you to commit effort to come into his presence. Brothers and sisters, when it says, seek ye me, he's telling you to seek his presence continuously. He wants you to commit effort to come into his presence, brothers and sisters. We're going to read that again, brother. Amos 5, verse 4. For thus said the Lord out of the house of Israel, seek ye me, and ye shall live. He's telling you, desire to be in a relationship with me. That's what he's telling Israel, the house of Israel. 
So if nobody else wants to do this, that's fine. But Israel, this is obligatory. This is an obligation. You have no choice in the matter. If you want to live, you must pursue the Most High God. Now, if you think you know him already, then, hey, <laughs> you, don't need to, you don't need to pursue him because you know him already. We're going to go to 1 Chronicles 16 and 11. Stand in the New Testament, uh, excuse me, the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. 1 Chronicles 16 and 11. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Do what? Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek, seek his face continually. See, brothers and sisters, seeking means to pursue something, to actively engage, brothers and sisters. You seek the Most High by integrating him into every area of your life. We seek the Most High for His guidance. We seek the Most High for His strength. We seek the Most High for joy. We seek the Most High for direction in life. Read that again, brother. First Chronicles 16, verse 11. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. See? Seeking after the Most High God should be our most important priority, brothers and sisters. Seek His face continually. Why? Because He will exalt those who seek Him, brothers and sisters. He will exalt those who seek him. He wants you to pursue him, brothers and sisters, the same way you pursue other stuff that you want and other people that you want. See, you have to realize that the Most High God, we are, man is made in his image. So the Most High has a personality, brothers and sisters. It's in the Bible tell you he's a man of war. He has masculine tendencies, masculine personality, brothers and sisters. The Most High wants you to seek Him. You want to be pursued, don't you? So how can you think that your mind, you know, your mind is something other than what the Most High had put in you? When you're a reflection of Him. The Most High said, seek Him. Seek His face continually. Read, uh, let's go to Acts 13 and 22 because we wanted to show you that if you seek him, he will exalt you, brothers and sisters. If you seek him, he will exalt you. We're going to Acts 13 and 22. Acts 13, verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. So once Saul was removed, read that again. Verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. A what? A man after my own heart. A what? A man after mine own heart. Brothers and sisters, when it says a man after my own heart, you really have to analyze that, brothers and sisters. A man after the Most High's heart means David pursued an intimate relationship with the Most High God. He was after his heart. The Most High said, he's singing me songs. He's writing me poetry. He's blowing me kisses. He's after me. He's courting me. He's flirting with me. See, that's what a man after my own heart is. When you're after someone's heart. He's dancing. He's glorifying me. He's telling me how good I am. How wonderful I am. That was David. It says a man after his own heart. Not that David was perfect. He wasn't. But he was a man who was after God's heart. 
He wanted an intimate, personal relationship with the Most High God. And because of that, he was exalted. Read that again from the top, brother. Acts 13, verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised upon them David to be their king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. See, so brothers and sisters, if you seek after him, he will exalt you. David was a sheep herder, brothers and sisters. Okay? His, his father didn't support him. He was the last one. When Samuel went to find David, he brought in all his sons except for David. His brothers didn't like him. David had no training. He wasn't well known within the, the palace. He didn't have the proper etiquette. The Mosai said, I'm going to exalt him. Because he's after me. Doesn't matter what his qualifications are. The Most High will exalt you despite your or your lack of so-called qualifications if you do what? If you seek him. If you exalt him, brothers and sisters. David was a man who spent his entire life chasing after the Most High God. And see, this is why we're bringing this out. Because Israelites, we got the law. Yeah, yeah. Don't eat pork. You know, yeah. You know, dress modestly, no, no, no pagan holidays. We understand all that. We got that. But what's the next step? What's missing? This is what's missing, brothers and sisters. Being a man or woman after the Most High God's heart. Because just following laws is not you pursuing him. That's not pursuing him, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 47. And eight, brother, because it said David was a man after the Most High God's heart. And that's when we say he's after the Most High's heart. He's pursuing him. You remember in school, brothers used to write letters to girls and poetry. So you know how to be after somebody else's heart. Ecclesiasticus 47, verse 8. In all his works, he praised the Holy One Most High with words of glory. Read that again. In all his works, he praised the Holy One Most High with words of glory. With his whole heart, he sung songs and loved him that made him. See, brothers and sisters, in all his works, he praised the Most High with words of glory. He bathed them in superlatives. He said, you are my monarch, Father. You are my emperor, my tycoon, Father. You're deserving of gratification, adulation, adoration, glorification. That's what you do when you're seeking the Most High's heart, brothers and sisters. When, where are we doing this? See, Israelites, we have skipped over some of the most important tenets. Yes, we know we're Israel. Yes. But where's the glorification of the Most High God? Where's the worship of the Most High God? Where's the praise of the Most High God? Where's that at? That's the next thing we must implement, brothers and sisters, because that is important. It's important, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus 47, verse 8. In all his works, he praised the Holy One Most High with words of glory. With his whole heart, he sung songs and loved him that made him. See, and you can sing songs to the Most High God. I'll tell you one thing. Many years ago, probably over 10 years ago, brothers and sisters, when I was a younger man, I used to... <laughs> 
I used to rap the words in the Bible. Like, that's how I got to memorize it. I would pull out a scripture and I'd start rapping in all his works. He praised the Holy One. And that's what I did to the Most High. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you can sing. doesn't matter if you can rap. Do it for him. Because it's not about how good you sing. See, when you're praising the Most High, your pride must go way down. Because it's not about you. It's about him. Sing to your God. Make up songs. It doesn't matter. It's the it, it's the principle that matters to the Most High God. He's not, you know, <laughs> he's not saying, well, yeah, I, I really don't like Brother Joshua's, you know, his singing voice, so I really don't want him to sing to me. No, it's not about Joshua at all. It's about what the Most High deserve. So this is what David would do, brothers and sisters. This is what he would do. He would sing the Most High songs. He would write them poetry. He would bathe them in pleasantries. Brothers and sisters, and this is something we must pick up as Israel. We must pick that particular principle up. Let's go to Psalms 27 and 4, brother. We're going back to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Read that again. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord that, all that what? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire his temple. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> the most high promotes those who are seeking his presence. David said, The one thing <laughs> have I desired. One thing. See? You must develop a relationship by spending time with him. It says that I may dwell. Read, read that again, brother. Verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. So in order to develop a relationship with the Most High, we must spend time with the Most High. We must dwell in His house, dwell in His presence, brothers and sisters. Now, this generation, people don't seek the Most High God. They seek after the benefits that only the Most High God can give them. So man seeks the benefits of God while fleeing from God himself, brothers and sisters. And I'm here to tell you, you are to seek him and bow down to him, okay? He's not your butler and he's not your maid. And until you find out that he's not here for you to use him, you're here to be used by him. And see, that's the problem. That's the problem. We, we desire... To seek after other stuff, not the Most High God. We think He's some candy cane God. We have to get, we have to wipe our memory clean of what we thought God was and what we thought God deserved. Because the God that we came to know through Christianity is not the true God. Our God deserves honor and respect and adulation and reverence and not. For you just to ask for stuff. He's here to use you. Not the other way around, brothers and sisters. He's not your bellhop, your butler, or your maid. And some people get it misconstrued by thinking that's what God is. Let's go to Psalms 22, verse 3, brother. Just a few chapters over. Psalms 22, verse 3. Because why? We had, David said he wanted to dwell in the house of the Most High, in his presence. But thou art holy, 
O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Read that again, brother. Verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Inhabitest what? Inhabited the praises of Israel. Brothers and sisters, he actually lives and dwells in our prayers. When you start to praise the Most High, he comes down in your midst and inhabits your praises. This is how you obtain his presence, brothers and sisters. Matter of fact, this is a prerequisite for his presence. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabited the praises of Israel. See? So worship is absolutely vital to his presence. So you tell him your wisdom is infinite, Father. It's divine, everlasting, and immortal, Father. When we worship the Father, what happens? We're surrounded by his presence, brothers and sisters. We must begin to worship and praise the Most High God. Not thank him. Not ask him for things. Praising and worshiping is something different than thank you for my car. Thank you for my, you know, my wife. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my job. No, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is worshiping for who he is, not for what he's done. Just tell him how good he is, brothers and sisters. We must add that to our weapons of warfare. Throughout today's lesson, you will find out how imperative, how imperative this will be in times to come, brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua, we're going to go to Psalms 34. Um, we're going to read verse, we're going to go to Psalms 34, verse 3 and 4. Psalms 34, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Do what? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why is it saying this, brothers and sisters? One thing you'll learn as you begin to spend more time with him is praise affects the most high the way it affects a man. It builds his, his divine ego, brothers and sisters. When you praise a man, it will make him out, go outside of himself, overextend himself to prove what you're saying about him is right. When you tell him he's marvelous and he's magnificent, he will extend and hurt himself trying to live up to what you said, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Right. So why? If you really want the Most High God to perform in your life, <laughs> start telling him how good he is, how wonderful he is, brothers and sisters. Start exalting him and telling him how magnificent he is advertise his greatness and what will happen he'll start flexing his muscles for you brothers and sisters where you're going to have to close the window as so many blessings coming down from the heavenly realm you magnify and you tell God how good he is and see what happens praise affects the most high the way it affects a man read that read three and four again brother verse three, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. You must seek after him. He wants to be sought after, brothers and sisters. He wants you to advertise his greatness. Tell him, you're my way maker. You're my bridge over troubled waters. 
You do that, he'll start flexing his muscles, brothers and sisters, and showing you how powerful he is. When you tell him he's an elegant, fashionable, high-class God, his power is unmistakable, his wisdom is pronounced and prominent, this is what he wants from those who he created, especially, especially the children of Israel. This is what we add, brothers and sisters. Our church is... The Most High has given us the platform to be able to give our brothers and sisters the, the things that they're going to need as we get to the, you know, as we get to the latter days, the latter stages in the earth, brothers and sisters. So, of course, you need to have the obedience. You need to follow his laws. Yes, you need all of that. But there's something else that you must have in order to go up that next level to be protected. And that's what you must have that intimate relationship with the Most High God and the only way to obtain that intimate relationship is through praising Him worshiping Him and we're not talking about music music is fine too but that's not the only you know that's not the only way of worshiping the Most High God you can worship Him in conversation brothers and sisters you can praise Him in conversation brothers and sisters in prayer brothers and sisters at the end of this lesson, that's what we want those listening or following this particular broadcast to incorporate within their daily life. Is to exalt his name, to magnify him, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Luke, going to the New Testament. We're going to Luke chapter 11. We're going to read verse 9. Luke 11 verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Read that again. Verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Brothers and sisters, if you analyze this scripture closely, what is it showing us? What are the parallels? Excuse me. That is shown. This is showing you that the Most High God wants to be pursued. He likes to find us in pursuit of him. He likes to be sought after, brothers and sisters. How do we know? Read it again, brother. Verse 9. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. See, seek, and ye shall find. See? So you must solicit an action that brings forth a response. Brothers and sisters, why? Because he's telling you, I know you're outside the door, but if you don't knock, I won't answer. I know you don't have the answer, but if you don't ask me, I won't offer it to you. You must be the initiator, brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua, read 11 and 9 one more time. Luke, please, brother. Luke 11, verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. See, brothers and sisters? See? So, even when Christ healed somebody, he asked them, you know, what, what do you need from me? How can I help you? You must be the initiator of it, brothers and sisters. You must be the initiator of it. Matter of fact, let's prove that. Let's go to John 1 and 38. That you must be the initiator, brothers and sisters. John 1 verse 38 Then Christ turned and saw them following and said unto them What did he say? 
What seek ye? What did he say? What seek ye? What do you need? What are you seeking? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted as master, where dwelleth thou? See, what seek ye? Uh, where you dwell. See, brothers and sisters? See? So you actually have to be the initiator. Matter of fact, let's prove that again. Let's go to Mark. I believe it's uh, it's Mark 10, and I think 40, 46. Let's see here. Um, let me see. Yeah, let's start at 46 and read it through 52. This was actually outside of our lesson, brothers and sisters, but the Spirit led me to go here. Mark 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, yes, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway, highway side begging. Really? And when he heard that it was Christ of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Christ, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Read, brother. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Read verse 50. Read verse 51, brother. Verse 51. And Christ answered and said unto him. What did he say? What will thou that I should do unto thee? Read that again. What will thou that I should do unto thee. The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. See, so examine them, brothers and sisters. Christ said, what should I do for you? <laughs> what should I do for you? Now, Christ already knows what he, sh you know, what he needs help with, but you got to tell me what you need. See? Christ doesn't offer up miracles until you come and seek for it. The same way his father is, brothers and sisters. And that's what I tell, especially men. If you have an issue, you must admit to the Most High that you can't do whatever you're doing is not working before he's going to bless you and come and take it from you. And that's hard for a man to do is to admit that he needs help and what he's doing is not working. That's the only way. That's the only way the Most High will step in. You must tell him. You must elicit an act that deserves a response. Christ said, what will thou that I should do unto thee? <laughs> I mean, what do you need from me? Read 51 again, brother, please. Verse 51. And Christ answered and said unto him, What will, what will thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. See, brothers and sisters? So Christ would ask him straight off. I mean, what can I do for you? <laughs> Why? Because if you can't tell me, if you can't humble yourself and tell me what you need, if you can't seek me, then what? You don't deserve the power that I have. And this is key that I always impress upon men. If you can't admit that there's an issue there, that there's a problem, that your way is not working, you're going to be stuck with your way. Because God knows you're at the door, but he will not answer until you knock, brothers and sisters. We're going to go back to Luke 11 and 9. Because now, now you understand what Luke 11 and 9 is saying, brothers and sisters. 
Luke 11, verse 9. And I say unto you. What did he say? Ask, and it shall be given you. What, what did he say? Ask, and it shall be given you. What do you need me to do? Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. See how that link flawlessly, brothers and sisters? See? You have to examine Christ's life closely. When you're dealing with the gospel, brothers and sisters, because it's the little things that are the most important when it comes to Christ's life, brothers and sisters, and his parables. See, now it makes sense. Unless you can admit that you have a problem, I'm not going to heal you. <laughs> See? So why are we bringing this up? Because we're trying to admonish brothers and sisters to praise and worship him, to exalt his name, brothers and sisters. And if you exalt his name, he'll start flexing his muscles for you. See? You're going to need that information. As the time goes by, the new world order, or what the Bible calls Jacob's trouble, begins to become progressively worse. You're going to need every tool you can find to fight this spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. And exalting his name is powerful warfare, brothers and sisters. And that's the part that we have left out. Yes, we pray. Yes, we, we stay away from unclean foods and, and, and pagan holidays. But there's no praise. There's no worship and adulation for, the, for the, the God who wakes us up every morning. So this is something we're going to look to implement, brothers and sisters. Now, let's go to Psalms. 10 and 4, brother. Psalms 10, verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Read that again, brother. Verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. See, the wicked, through pride of his countenance, will not seek after the Mosiah. So what is it showing? This is showing the great obstacle to seeking the Most High God is pride, brothers and sisters. See, we're in an age where people seek everything but the Most High. They seek fame and fortune. They're working overtime, two jobs, working on Sabbath, Sunday, Monday. Why? Because they're seeking the wealth of the world. <laughs> we seek the blessing more than the blessor, brothers and sisters. And you must, I tell people, you better be sure what you're doing because whatever you pursue is an idol, brothers and sisters. Whatever you pursue, you worship. So if you're going to pursue it, make sure it's good enough to be your God. Make sure it's good enough to heal you when you're dying. Make sure it's good enough to keep your family safe from another state, brothers and sisters. You better be careful what you choose to be your God. Read it again, brother. Verse 4, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. See? And that's why Christ was asking, okay, well, what can I do for you? <laughs> and everybody, everybody knows somebody who is too proud to ask for help, really needs help, but won't ask for it. <laughs> because if they ask for help, then that means they're not in power, they're not in control. We all know people like that. Brothers and sisters, it's pride. It's pride, brothers and sisters. Too prideful to seek the Most High God. Too prideful to ask the Most High God. Too prideful to exalt His name. Brothers and sisters. 
It's pride that acts as an obstacle to seeking the Most High God. Let's go to First Edris, brother, in the Apocrypha. Please follow us, brothers and sisters, to the Apocrypha. We're going to First Ezra, chapter eight. We're going to read verse um, fifty-two and fifty-three. First Ezra eight, verse fifty-two. For we had said unto the king that the power of the Lord our God should be with them that seek Him. Read that again. For we had said unto the king that the power of the Lord our God should be with them that seek Him, to support them in all ways. See, it says the power of the Most High will be with those who seek Him. To support him in all ways. So brothers and sisters. If you love the most high God. You'll make time to spend with him. Because you delight to do so. So review your past week. And ask yourself. Did my schedule reflect that seeking the most high God. Was my number one priority. And most people will say what. (laughs) They'll say well you know. That is my priority. But I've been under a lot of pressure. Well brothers and sisters. Pressure is what reveals your true priorities. Why? When the pressure is on, everything but the essential gets set aside. (laughs) See? So he'll test you to see what your priorities are, brothers and sisters. That's what he'll do. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 52. For we had said unto the king that the power of, of the Lord our God should be with them that seek him to support them in all ways. And again, we besought our Lord as touching these things and found him favorable on us. See, brothers and sisters, if you seek him, if you chase him, like you chase when you wanted that woman or you chase when you wanted that man. If you do that, you can be exalted. The most high want to be seeked. He want to be sought after, brothers and sisters. He want to be exalted, brothers and sisters, especially for the children of Israel. Whether it's some other Gentile or somebody else, the nation, the pagans, they want to do it, it's no of no consequence. But Israel, this is obligatory. This is obligatory. Brother Joshua, uh, read First Ezra eight fifty two and fifty three again, please, brother. First Ezra eight verse fifty two. For we had said unto the king that the power of the Lord our God should be with them that seek him, to support them in all ways. And again, we besought our Lord as touching these things and found him favorable on us. If you seek him, you will find him favorable unto us, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 29, verse 2, brothers and sisters. We're talking about seeking the Most High and having intimacy with the Most High God. Today's lesson is called the best kept secret, brothers and sisters. And it details us, it's a handbook, it's an illustration on how to obtain intimacy with the God who created the earth. Psalms 29 verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Read that again. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the in the, the beauty of holiness. Brothers and sisters, I really need you to analyze this, examine this. Read verse 2, the beginning, brother. Verse 2, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Give unto the Most High the glory due unto his name. Father, you are the administrator, the supervisor, executive superintendent, Father. You are unparalleled. You are the overseer, Father. You're magnanimous, philanthropic, and benevolent, Father. That's the glory due to his name. 
And Israel is responsible for giving it to him every day. Because that's how good he is, brothers and sisters. And see, that will have us become exalted, brothers and sisters. Yes, it's good to, to thank God for, you know, for what he's done and what he's given you. All that's good. All that's fine. But don't forget to worship his name just for who he is, brothers and sisters. Just worship him for what he's going to do. There's power in that. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Brothers and sisters, it says worship the Most High in the beauty of holiness. And what's key is if you, we if we, we would worry less if we worshiped more, brothers and sisters. That's one thing I learned. Anytime you worry, brothers and sisters, just start bathing them in superlatives. Tell them how powerful and magnificent, how magnanimous he is, how unparalleled his wisdom is, how his beauty is unmatched. And I promise you, your problem... <laughs> Your problem starts to shrink. Your worry starts to shrink. Why? Because you're magnifying him. <laughs> when Psalm said magnify his name, it's not that you can make him bigger. It's that your problem becomes smaller because you're giving him superlatives and pleasantries. So he becomes bigger and your problem becomes smaller. Brothers and sisters, I challenge every man and woman. When you're worried, break down into worshiping the Father. And see how that affects your whole life. How that affects your whole day. It's impossible to worry and worship at the same time, brothers and sisters. It is impossible. Try it, brothers and sisters. Once you implement this, this level of worship and praise and giving glory due unto his name, watch the dynamics of your entire life change, brothers and sisters. Why? Because praise affects the Most High God the way it affects a man. And a man understand that. And sisters, if you didn't understand that, try it out. Praise your man and see what happened. <laughs> he will pull a hamstring trying to uh, fulfill whatever, you know, <laughs> you need. Try it out. Let's go to Ecclesiastes, Brother Joshua. I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes 43 and 30, brother, please. Going to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters, please follow us. The best kept secret. Ecclesiastes 43, verse 30. When ye glorify the Lord, exalt him as much as ye can. Read that again, brother. When ye glorify the Lord, exalt him as much as ye can. For even yet will he far exceed. It says glorify his name as much as you can. Because he will far exceed whatever glory you're giving him. <laughs> and when ye exalt him, put for all your strength and be not weary. For you can never go far enough. <laughs> you can never go far enough, brothers and sisters. <laughs> See? This is what you need to know in order to what? To have an intimate, personal relationship with, the, with your God. <laughs> it says, read that again, brother, please. Verse 30. When ye glorify the Lord, exalt him as much as ye can. For even yet will he far exceed. And when ye exalt him... Put forth all your strength and be not weary, for you can never go far enough. Brothers and sisters, he wants you to acknowledge his power. This scripture, brothers and sisters, is, um, you know, this is one of my favorite scriptures throughout the whole apocrypha. 
because it just shows you that how glorifying him, you could never glorify him enough, brothers and sisters. Don't even get tired. Why? You can't go far enough. You can't even bathe him with enough pleasantries, brothers and sisters. He will far exceed it. Why? Because praise affects him. <laughs> praise affects the most high the way it does for a man. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 30. When ye glorify the Lord, exalt him as much as ye can. For even yet will he far exceed. And when ye exalt him, put forth all your strength, and be not weary, for ye can never go far enough. So you tell him he's our creator, he's our provider, our healer, redeemer, our judge and defender, brothers and sisters. Tell him you're a Godfather without flaws and vulnerabilities, without shortcomings and weaknesses, a God without defect and deficiencies. Tell him, brothers and sisters, why? You can never go far enough. And this will unlock and take you to another level, brothers and sisters. He will exalt you and send down so many blessings from the heavenly realm, you won't have room to receive. He's telling you, if you glorify him and exalt him as much as you can, he will far exceed. <laughs> See, this is the key information you're going to need, brothers and sisters. This is the information you need. Let's move forward, brother. Let's go to Psalms 150 and 6. Chapter 150, verse 6. Psalms 150, verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Read that again. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath. Why, brothers and sisters? Because if he didn't give you your next breath, you couldn't catch it with a fast car. He gave you a voice because he likes to hear you talk to him. <laughs> he gave you a voice so you can tell him how good he is. Read it again, brother. Verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Most High God, brothers and sisters. So the children of Israel need to implement this in their daily walk. Why? Because things are going to get worse. The Bible tell you martial law is coming. The Bible tell you that mark of the beast is coming. The Bible tell you there's a full out engagement, a physical engagement coming from who? From the Edomite government, brothers and sisters. And you will need to understand how to get your God's attention. You exalt his name. You praise him. You worship him in the midst of troubles and see what come of it. We're going to go to Revelations 4 and 11. Why? Because it said everything that have a breath need to praise the God that gave him that breath. Revelations 4 and 11. Revelations 4 verse 11. Thou art worthy. Read that again. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are. And were created. And for what? And for thy pleasures they are and were created. <laughs> and for his pleasure we were created. So our vocal cords were designed to exalt and worship him, brothers and sisters. Read that first part again. Verse 11. For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. See? He's worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. So why does worship matter, brothers and sisters? Because it's the one thing the Most High can't do himself. The one thing he cannot do is worship. Why? 
Because in order to worship, you must have something greater than yourself. So worship is the one thing the Most High cannot do. He's telling you what? He's telling you, listen, you need to prioritize me. You've been using me like a chip on the side for your date on the Sabbath. He's telling you, I'm tired of dating you once a week. I want to be the center of your life. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasures they are and were created. And don't ever forget it. We were created for his pleasure, brothers and sisters, not the other way around. <laughs> we've gotten... I don't know if, you know, we've just completely lost our connection with the Most High, or we've been influenced based on society... That, you know, God is, you know, Santa Claus God that come down a chimney and give you what you want. <laughs> and when you don't, you know, you have an attitude with him. No. You're here to pleasure him, to please him, not the other way around. Let's go to Luke 19 and 40, brother, please. We're going to the gospel, brothers and sisters. Luke 19, verse 40. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Read that again, brother. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that, if these should hold their peace, the stones should immediately cry out. So, brothers and sisters, he don't need me. He, he don't need us. <laughs> he can get stones to cry out and worship him and proclaim his power, brothers and sisters. And why, is he pull, why did we pull this scripture out? Because, like we said, we believe in a candy cane God who comes down the chimney and grants wishes like a genie. So when he doesn't do that, we get angry with the Most High. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, don't expect heaven to go bankrupt because you have an attitude. You can be replaced. Easily. The Most High is okay. You can be replaced. Don't think too highly of yourself. I can be replaced. And we must put things back in its proper perspective. You're a servant. <laughs> okay? And you don't have a right to be angry with your master, who is the Most High God. You don't have that right, and neither do I. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 40. And he answered unto them, and, and he answered and said unto them, I tell you that, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. See? The stones would cry out. Other scriptures tell you he can raise up stones to be the children of Israel or the children of Abraham. <laughs> We're really not needed, brothers and sisters. The Most High control everything. And it's about time that we come back to the realization and understand how to respect the Most High God, how to treat the Most High God, how to come into His presence. We're going to go to Sirach. Or Ecclesiasticus chapter 51, verse 11. Follows to the Apographer, brothers and sisters. We're going to chapter 51, verse 11. Ecclesiasticus 51, verse 11. I will praise thy name continually, and will sing praises with thanksgiving. And so my, pow my prayer was heard. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. I will praise thy name continually. I will sing praises with thanksgiving, 
And so my prayer was heard. It says, I will praise thy name continually and sing praises with thanksgiving. And so my prayer was heard. See, brothers and sisters, when you praise him, when you worship him, your prayers are heard. You tell him your power is unsurpassed. It's unparalleled and unrivaled, Father. Your wisdom is unmatched. It's peerless and alone, Father. You tell him. And see if your prayer life don't change. See if your whole circumstance don't flip upside down, Israel. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. I will praise thy name continually and will sing praises with thanksgiving. And so my prayer was heard. Jump to verse 22, brother. Verse 22. The Lord hath given me a tongue for my reward. And I will praise him therewith. Brothers and sisters, he gave you a mouth so you can tell him how marvelous and illustrious he is. That's why you have a mouth, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms, chapter 99, verse 5. Now, brothers and sisters, you know Psalms is a book of praises and worship. Notice that it's the, it had more chapters than every other book in the Bible. <laughs> that wasn't by coincidence. Brothers and sisters, that was not by coincidence. Psalms 99 verse 5. Exalt you the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for he is holy. Brothers and sisters, worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. Exalt you the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. For he is holy. See, so worship is a declaration of what? Of our weakness and his strength, brothers and sisters. I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time you told God you're a considerate, generous, gracious God, Father? You are a tender-hearted, sympathetic, compassionate, and charitable Father. You're a forgiving God. You're unblemished, unequal, and untarnished. When is the last time you took time out to tell him how good he was, brothers and sisters? We really need you to think about that because that is the part that we're missing. Nobody's perfect. That's, you know, what life is about. That's why the platform of the church is here to give our brothers and sisters the things to take them up another level spiritually. Because I'm pretty sure 95% of us are not doing this at all and probably can't even remember the last time we did this. He deserves to be exalted. Brothers and sisters, to worship at his footstool, fall on your knees at his feet, brothers and sisters. Unless you're too proud, unless you have too much pride. Tell him how weak you are, how unworthy you are, brothers and sisters. This is how you go up another level. You need this. Some people are too proud to be able to do this. And these people will not get in the kingdom. We're going to John 4 and 24, brother. Going to the gospel, brothers and sisters. Please follow us here. John 4, verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Brothers and sisters, one of the very few things God ever searched for was a worshiper. And when it says worship in truth, it means worship that is structured according to his word. Read that again, brother. Verse 24, God is his spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When it says worship God in spirit, that means it must be done from the heart, brothers and sisters. 
in worshiping God in truth means it must be done according to his spec according to his specifications. You can't make up what you want to make up, <laughs> brothers and sisters, and say, well, you know, he have to receive that because, you know, <laughs> because I'm giving it to him. That's what Cain did. <laughs> Most of us like, I'm not receiving that. I didn't tell you to give me that. Okay. So we must not do anything he has not authorized. Brothers and sisters, only the Most High has the right to determine how we are to worship Him. And the truth is not arbitrary. Truth for one person is the same for another person. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Must worship Him in spirit and in truth, which is showing us what? The Most High is not obligated to accept our worship just because we offer it to him. For example, the Bible tells a sister that when she's reading the Bible or praying, her head must be covered. <laughs> so if you're going to worship him, you must worship him in truth and in spirit. <laughs> so put a hood on. <laughs> okay. Or I'd see, some sisters, they'll be in the bed, you know, wake up in the morning, throw the cover on their head. <laughs> Put a pillow on their head and pray. The Most High is looking down like, that's my daughter. <laughs> that's my daughter. Looking crazy right now, but she's looking crazy for me. See? You must worship him how he say fit. You can't worship him on the first day of the week. That don't. What scripture is that? What scripture gives allowance for uh, holy convocation on the first day of the week? See, because this is what Christians do. They say, well, you know, as long as I give him a day. It's like, no. If you worship him, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. I spoke to a pastor the other day. I was asking him about, um, you know, he he knows that we're the children of Israel. He's a Christian, but he was. I was asking him about, you know, the doctrine, which was him or the Christian church, the black church, dealing with Chris, uh, Christmas and, and different stuff. And he was like, well, yeah, we know it's pagan, but, you know, uh, we're not doing it for pagan reasons. <laughs> this is what he said. He said, we're actually just, you know, trying to deal with, you know, when Christ came to the earth and, you know, use that time to talk about Christ. I'm like, brother, you can't work. I didn't say this to him because I wanted to keep it cordial and, you know, keep it open for us to do some work together. But in my mind, I'm sitting there like, brother, you must <laughs> worship him in truth. You can't turn Easter around to be something, uh, you know, <laughs> righteous because you say so. So, brothers and sisters, we went here to show you that you are, are obligated to worship him how he say worship him, which is in truth and from the heart. We're going to move forward, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Jeremiah 10 and 23. Please follow us. Jeremiah 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not a man that walketh to direct his steps. See? So since God is the object of our worship, he and he alone has the right to determine how we worship him, brothers and sisters. You don't have that right. The Bible tells us our very best worship is due to the Most High and prescribed by him in the Bible. You can't just make up what you want to make up <laughs> and then say, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Father, you accept that because I'm giving it to you. See? We have lost respect for the Most High. We don't know the Most High. For somebody to sit here and think they can, 
give the most high whatever they want. You don't know him. You need to re-examine him, go seek his face continually, and study his word. Why? Because the worship God has prescribed is the only way we can be pleasing to him. Read that again, brother. Verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. See, it's not in a man that walketh to direct his steps. <laughs> so what is it showing you? A man that walk shouldn't be directing steps because the most high don't need to walk. <laughs> See, if you if you got two feet and you walk up and down the road, walk up and down the street, you're in no position to direct steps. <laughs> See, brothers and sisters. So what? Worship should cause us to reflect on the majesty and graciousness of the Most High God contrasted to our unworthiness. Most High don't walk on two feet. He's in the air. He's in the sky. He's in the trees. He's in everything we see. Brothers and sisters, he's in everything we see. Let's go to Psalms chapter 100, verse 4. Brothers and sisters, we're winding down. Psalms 100, verse 4. This is key. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving. Read that again. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praises. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Brothers and sisters, this is critical. Why? Because this is a reminder not to let the spirit of complacency lull you to sleep. Why? Because familiarity is a curse. Our familiarity with the Most High can sometimes blind us to the full significance of the Most High God. Brothers and sisters, so this is a reminder. Read that one more time, Brother Joshua. Verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. See? Why? Because familiarity breeds inappropriate acceptance, brothers and sisters. We begin to forget the principles of appropriateness. See? So anytime I'm doing something for the Most High... Uh, oh, I'm representing the Most High God. I'm dressed like a man made for dominion. If I'm going out to pass out food or pass out flies or anything that I'm doing in representation of him, guess what? I'm going to be dressed like a man made for dominion. Choose, choosing, you know, choosing clothing that's clean and neat, brothers and sisters. Why? Because if you're doing the Most High's business, you must be dressed for his business. Imagine this. Your cable... Um, is acting up, right? Your cable is acting up and Comcast or Verizon comes and knocks on your door and they come with some sweatpants on, uh, you know, come with some, some Timberland boots on and a tank top. What are you going to be thinking? You're like, can I see some credentials? Or do you actually work for Verizon, brother? Exactly. So it does matter. That's why I sent enter into his gates with Thanksgiving, your hygiene. That matters. See? That matters. Sobriety matters. It matters, brothers and sisters. I spoke to a brother that I um, I helped counsel that was um, fighting a demon of you know drug abuse. And the brother followed our platform. He followed our broadcast for a year, and um, he contacted me and said he would like to um, he would like to come commune with us. 
But he did. He gave me. He respected me and told me. He says, "I can't promise that I'll be sober." And I asked the brother. I'm like, "Well, brother, has it gotten that bad?" He's like, "It has." I said, "Well, brother, you know, I love you, man. I'm I'm gonna continue to work with you and pray for you. But if you can't come sober, brother, I would rather you not come. Why? Because you gotta have some respect for the Most High's presence. Okay? You can't come in drunk and high." If you if you doing that, then you you don't have no respect for the Most High God. You have no respect for His presence. Sobriety is critical when you come into the house of the Most High God, and His house is wherever they're praising Him, where two or more is gathered. See, so that's why it's telling you how to enter into His gates. Why? Because we become complacent. Read that one more time, brother. Verse four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. See? So it appears we have gotten used to the Most High God. That fire has dwindled in our eyes. We act as if he isn't significant. We begin to get lackadaisical, which happens, brothers and sisters. This happens. Before we move on, Brother Joshua, read Psalms one hundred and. And verse 4 again. Psalms 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. And bless his name. Brothers and sisters. We must not begin to get lackadaisical. See. The presence of the most high. Means you must have a certain essence of you. A certain cleanliness to you. Right. A certain sobriety to you. You must what you must be engaged brothers and sisters this is critical go back in in you know the old testament when the priests went into the holy of holies <laughs> if you was not clean you would die they would put a rope around your waist just in case you didn't come out and have to pull you out of there brothers and sisters because that's how serious it is with the most high when he come down in that holy of holies some people went in and never made it back they had to be pulled out you couldn't go into the temple if you had, you know, certain ailments, if you had leprosy or pimples and pus coming up out of you. You couldn't even go in the temple. Why? Because that stuff can't be in the Most High's presence. You go get clean first and then you come back. So we must understand the cleanliness, the attire, the respect, how to carry ourselves, how to talk when we're representing the Most High God and coming into his presence. Brothers and sisters, because I think people have gotten real lackadaisical with the Most High God. Now, we saying you can't come as you are. No, we're not saying you can't come as you are. But once you've came and you're part of something and you know you're going there, then change up. Because why? Just looking at the Bible tell you, you know a man by his look, by his attire. So if a brother come in with, you know, some sweatpants on and, you know, tank top on not really clean, smelling like alcohol. It's like, brother, I mean, what did you come here for? <laughs> what did you come into the Most High's presence for? Because you didn't look like you put any effort to come here. It looked like you just rolled out of bed. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And that's based on your sobriety. That's based on how you look and how you're acting. Because guess what? You wouldn't go to your family's funeral certain ways. Or job interviews certain ways. So you must have 
the utmost respect and honor and reverence for the Most High Ahiah, the Great I Am, from Exodus 3 and 14. Let's go to Revelations chapter 2, verse 4, Brother Joshua. Because we are talking about the spirit of familiarity becoming lackadaisical. Revelations 2, verse 4. Nevertheless, nevertheless, what? I have somewhat against thee. Read that again. I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Because what? Because thou hast left thy first love. Because what? Because thou hast left thy first love. Because you left your first love. <laughs> what does that mean, brothers and sisters? Do you remember when the Most High first awakened your soul? Do you remember the excitement you had when he plucked you out of darkness? See? And now what? When it says you have left your first love, that means you've become lackadaisical and careless. It's the spirit of it really doesn't matter all that much. <laughs> now we we choose when to you know when to study. We choose when to go to church. We choose when to um, you know when to listen to the podcast or the broadcast. We choose when we're going to listen to the audio Bible. See, we start scheduling God like he's a foot a little league football game. He's saying, you left your first love. You lost that hunger for me. And now you've gotten used to me. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast, for, hast left thy first love. Because you left your first love. What once was fresh and alive in your spirit can become dull if you deal with the spirit of familiarity. Becoming lackadaisical, brothers and sisters. Not meeting the conditions of our relationship with the Most High God. This is key. Because what? Knowing your Israel, that energy, that burst you get from knowing your Israel runs out, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you, from a man who's, you know, referred to himself as Israel for over a decade, brothers and sisters, that runs out. I know initially, when you first find that out, there's a certain energy you get, a boost but that's not going to carry you through this marathon, brothers and sisters. Your love for your God, <laughs> your dedication and commitment, your submission to him is what's going to carry you to the end, brothers and sisters. Because thou has left thy first love. Because this is what happens. Same way when you get in a relationship. <laughs> you get used to that person being there. Now, the, the, the dynamics is completely shifted. Why? Now you don't answer the phone, you know, quickly, you know. <laughs> now you're not as excited to talk to her or him. See, you left your first love, that honeymoon phase when everything was all good. You must stay in that honeymoon phase with the Most High God. I have some, I have, read that again, brother. Verse 4, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Because you left your first love. We must come back to our first love, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Psalms 145 in verse 3. We're almost done. Chapter 145, verse 3, Brother Joshua. Psalms 145, verse 3. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable. And we ought not to forget, brothers and sisters, 
the honor and respect he deserves at all times. All times. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. The Most High says, if you want to please me, praise me. Don't ever forget how great the Most High is. Don't ever let that pass your mind. Don't ever become familiar or think you know the Most High God. So, you know, now I can relax a little bit. No, you can't relax. Great is the Most High God. And he wants people that's hungry for him and will never get used to him. People who will not take him for granted. That must be the children of Israel. We're going to go to Tobit in the Apographer. Let's go to the Apographer, brothers and sisters. Tobit, chapter 13, verse 7 and 8. Tobit 13, verse 7. I will exalt my God, and my soul shall praise the King of heaven, and shall rejoice in his greatness. Brothers and sisters, I really need you to examine this. <laughs> let all men speak, and let all praise for him and his righteousness. Let us all praise him for his righteousness. We must all do that. Read that again, brother. Verse 7. I will exalt my God, and my soul shall praise the King of heaven, and shall rejoice in his greatness. Rejoice in his greatness. Read the next scripture. Let all men speak. Re read that again. Verse 8. Let all men speak, and let all praise him for his righteousness. See, let all men praise him for his righteousness, brothers and sisters, including me. So I don't care who you are, how much money you have, if you're the CEO, none of that matters. The Most High deserves praise from every man and woman. See? So gratitude is what this is showing, brothers and sisters. Gratitude is a gift that helps us to learn, to recognize, acknowledge, and celebrate God's innumerable blessings, brothers and sisters. We rejoice because he has rescued us from our sins and given us eternal, unending life. Read 7 and 8 one more time before we move on, brother. Verse 7. I will exalt my God, and my soul shall praise the King of heaven, and shall rejoice in his greatness. Why? Because he's our, <clears throat> the Most High is our fortress, our strength, and our helper. Let all men speak, and let all praise him for his righteousness. That's crystal clear. Let all men speak, and let all praise him for his righteousness. That's not just Jews. That's Gentiles also. All people need to worship our God, but specifically the children of Israel. It's obligatory. It's obligatory. You are to show the other nations how to worship our God, how to praise our God, the respect due to our God. That's what we will do. We're going to go to Psalms, chapter 63, verse 4. The best kept secret, brothers and sisters, and what's the best kept secret? It's how to gain or obtain intimacy with the Most High God. Psalms 60, 63 verse 3. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Read that again, brother. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. So, so if you analyze this closely, brothers and sisters, David is telling you because the loving kindness is better than life. So what is that showing us, brothers and sisters? 
That's showing you that David valued friendship with the Most High God. See, he valued that. He valued favor and friendship of the Most High. For life without the love of the Most High is nothing else than death. <laughs> That's what it is. It's death. Read 3 and 4 again, brother. Verse 3. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. So, brothers and sisters, a man that has no share in the love of the Most High God is dead while he lives. Verse 4 says, Thus will I bless thee while I live. As long as my life lasts, I will praise thee. I will divide my time between praises and prayers. This is what we're implementing, brothers and sisters. We're implementing praising him and worshiping him. And we're not just talking about playing gospel music. That's not what we're talking about. You can use that music too, but he wants you to sing it. He wants you to tell him. Use your mouth to formulate it, unless you're too proud. Unless you're too proud to tell him how weak you are. Unless you're too proud to tell him how good he is, how worthy he is, how mag uh, magnificent, majestic he is, how unparalleled he is. Let's go to Isaiah 12 and 6, brother. This is for Israel. Yasha Allah. Isaiah 12, verse 6. Cry out and shout. Thou inhabitant of Zion. Read that again, brother. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. Who is Zion? The scripture will tell you. For great is the Holy One of Israel. Of, of who? For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Brothers and sisters, Zion is Israel, the children of Israel, the Negroes, natives, and Hispanics predominantly. Brothers and sisters, it says, cry out and shout, Zion, the inhabitants of Zion. Who is that? That is the Negroes, natives, and Hispanics to a large degree. See? You have, this is, this is the character, the privilege, and the duty of the people of God. We are a people of praise. This is the duty that God expects from his people. Read it again, brother. Verse 6. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. For great is the Holy One of Israel. See, our God is the God of Israel. He's our God. Other people have their own gods. So since he's our God, the inhabitants of Zion have a duty to exalt our God. If none other bless the Most High, yet his people will. Israel must have the wisdom of the pediatrics of praise. We must have that, brothers and sisters. Cry out and shout. If nobody else will worship him and tell him how marvelous he is, how illustrious he is, how magnificent he is, how all-knowing, all how omnipotent and omnificent he is, how he's a king of kings, how he's the supervisor, the overseer, the executive. If nobody else will tell him, we will tell him. Because that's what we've been chosen to do. Now, we have a few more scriptures. We need to show you that our praise and worship was a weapon in times past, brothers and sisters. We actually use weapons, uh, excuse me, praise and worship as a physical warfare during the time of Jehoshaphat, the king, and in the time of Moses. We're going to show you. 
Let's go to First Chronicles, or excuse me, Second Chronicles, brother. Second Chronicles, chapter twenty. We're going to read verse one. This was the battle with Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles twenty, verse one. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Read that again, brother. Verse one. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So Jehoshaphat encountered a big problem, brothers and sisters. You had other nations that were looking to come against the children of Israel, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to jump to verse 15. We're not going to read it fully through. We're going to just... Go through the main scriptures to get the idea. To get the idea. Verse fifteen, and he said, "Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus said the Lord unto you: Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God. For what? For the battle is not yours." But God. So you had other nations coming together to engage the children of Israel. And the, the it says the Most High told us, listen, the battle is not yours. It's mine. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 16. Actually, read 15 through 18. Verse 15. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, that thou king Jehoshaphat, Thus said the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Read that again. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. He's telling you, listen, you will not need to fight this battle. Read 17 again. Verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord will be with you. So he's telling you, listen, you won't have to fight this battle physically. You will not have to lift a hand. Read. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And what happened? And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. Brothers and sisters, listen, look at what you're seeing here. Now you're seeing worship. Now you're seeing worship, brothers and sisters. This particular story is going to show you how to praise and worship your way to a victory. Read that again, brother. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of Kohathis and of the children of Horhidus stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Stood up to what? Stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Jump to verse 21, brother. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, 
he appointed singers unto the Lord. Read that again. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness. So he appointed singers unto the Most High. Read. As they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Read that again, brother. Verse 21. Look at what happened, brothers and sisters. They didn't send out the army first. They sent out the worshipers. They sent out the praises. They sent out the singers before the army. I need you to really analyze this, brothers and sisters. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. As they did what? As they went out before the army. And to say, praise the Lord. For his mercy endureth forever. As they went out before the army. See? Read the next scripture, brother, please. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount, and Mount Sire. Mount Seir. Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. So, brothers and sisters, we know we have the Palestinians... The Jordanians and Mount Seir. We know who's in Mount Seir, brothers and sisters. Edomites are in Mount Seir. Um, but it's showing you, they be, we began to sing and to praise. And the Most High set ambushments against the children that came against us. So it was only when we praised the Most High with all our heart that he struck down the enemies before us. So what did we do? We put course, a course of singers, of musicians, of worshipers before or in front of the army to sing worship and declare God's glory as we advance, brothers and sisters. This is why he said the battle is not yours. You will not have to lift a finger. You send the worshipers out. You send the singers out before the army as you're marching towards them. And uh, a spirit of confusion will come against them and they'll start fighting each other. <laughs> See, we're showing you something here. We're showing you how to praise and worship your way to victory. Brothers and sisters, why? Because the Most High is ready to move on our behalf in victory, but he will not do one solitary thing until we praise him. So sadly, we secure our defeat with our lack of worship and prayer. Read that one more time, brother. 22. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. Look at this. They stood up against each other, started to destroy each other, brothers and sisters. And the only thing we had to do, we didn't have to do nothing but praise and worship. Fall down on our face. And worship our God. This is what we're telling you, brothers and sisters. This is key information that the children of Israel need to understand because they're going to come after you. They're going to come after us, brothers and sisters. There's going to be no more slow kill. There's going to be no more, you know, vaccines and, you know, putting guns on the streets and just a police kill a black person here and there. It's going to be all out full fledged engagement, brothers and sisters. And they're not prepared to fight a spiritual war. They're prepared to fight a physical war. And we can't beat them physically because they have weapons, brothers and sisters. But we have a weapon too. Read the next scripture, brother. 
23. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked on at the multitude, and, behold, there were dead bodies falling to the earth, and none escaped. So this was Judah. This was, uh, you know, the, the quote-unquote African-Americans. In the, the kingdom of Judah, uh, the southern kingdom, you had the Benjamites, the Levites, and the Judeans, which are the quote-unquote African-Americans, those from the West Indies, the Jamaicans, the, you know, those from Tobago. Uh, Trinidad in those areas, and you also had the Levites who are today called Haitians. So these were the darker tribes that was this was that were dealing with this at this particular time. So what we're showing you is that specifically Judah is praised. It means praise. So if anybody need to be praising, it's us, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother, because it tells you that there were dead bodies falling all to the earth and none escaped. Verse twenty-five. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoils of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies, and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. Read that part again. More than they could carry away. And there were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. So after these people had killed themselves, our brothers and sisters went and checked the bodies. Like, oh, I got some jewels here. Let me get that, <laughs> you know. Let me get these riches. <laughs> Listen, we didn't have to do anything. The only thing we had to do was fall on our face, humble ourselves, and worship our God while he took over and had them destroy themselves, brothers and sisters. See? We're showing you the power of worship and prayer in physical warfare, brothers and sisters. Praise your God. Tell your God how good he is, how marvelous he is. How he's a way maker. How he's powerful and all knowing. How he's a bridge over troubled waters. Tell him that. And see if he don't flip your whole life upside down. Let's go to Exodus 17 and 8. And we're going to end it here. We're going to show you another example. Of when worship and praise. Had us prevail over an enemy. We're going to read Exodus 17 and 8. Exodus 17, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Then, then came who? Then came Amalek. Who is Amalek, brothers and sisters? Amalek is those people who are claiming to be Jews. The ones who call themselves Jewish, they're Amalek in the Bible. They fought us many, many times in the Bible. Verse 9. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Moses told Joshua, uh, you know, gather up some men. I want you to go out and fight Amalek tomorrow. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him. Tell him what scripture you have, brother. Verse 10. So Joshua did as, as Moses said unto him and fought with Amalek and Moses and, Mo, and Moses, Aaron and Hur. Went up to the top of the hill. And what happened? And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand. Read that again. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. 
And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. Brothers and sisters, when Moses held up his hands to the sky, stretched forth in worship, in honor, in prayer, look what happened. Israel prevailed. When he lowered his hands, <laughs> Amalek prevailed. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So the elevation of Moses' hand, accompanied by fervent prayer, was an appeal to the Most High God for aid. And the Most High would do what? Would help our people, you know, help give us victory over our enemies. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. They did what? And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So, brothers and sisters, what happened? His hands was up so long. His arms were stretched forth towards the heavens in prayer so long, his arms began to get heavy. So Aaron and her started helping him hold his arms up. <laughs> and that's what you need. You need somebody that's going to help you praise. You need somebody that's going to help you worship. That's what you need, brothers and sisters. His brother, you had Aaron and her holding his arms up. His arms was up so, so long, brothers and sisters. Stretched forth towards the Most High. See? So when Moses grew weary... They held up his hands, allowing Joshua to do what? To overcome Amalek, brothers and sisters. We're showing you praise and worship that actually won us battles, brothers and sisters. Read verse 13, and we'll end it there. Verse 13, and Joshua dis discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. See, so as long as Moses kept his arms extended towards the heavens, brothers and sisters, in reverence, in praise, in prayer, we would overcome Amalek. When his arms dropped, Amalek began to overtake us. So what we wanted to do, brothers and sisters, we wanted to go into a few um, you know, documented stories of the history of the Israelites and show that the power of praise and worship and actual physical warfare Brothers and sisters, it's documented within our books. This is how much the Most High God loves us. It's, he's given us records to be able to go back on and say, okay, well, this actually worked for our people before. And if I ever need this again, I know exactly what to do. So, brothers and sisters, today's lesson was the best kept secret. We went into a myriad, uh, a plethora of scriptures to help us become more intimate with the God that created us, brothers and sisters. And we learned the truth of the power of worship, the power of praise, and how to honor and respect our Father when we're in His presence, brothers and sisters. Many of us are following His laws, statutes, and commandments. One thing we're missing is what? The praise, the, the worship, the adulation that He deserves, brothers and sisters. We ask... That you go back on this lesson as many times as you need, brothers and sisters, and implement the things that scriptures say should be applied. Today's lesson was the best kept secret. 
We want to say, Kwam Yashar Allah. Kwam Yashar Allah. Sin no more. Sin no more.